This is a HeadGum Original. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Since childhood, I have been fascinated with language. I've invented my own. You invented an entire language? Yes. I made stories. Legends. Tell me a story in any language you want. It's about journeys. The journeys we take to prove ourselves. It's about adventures. We should form a club, a brotherhood. We change the world through the power of art. Music, poetry. And what about Tolkien? I want to write something. It's about magic beyond anything anyone has ever felt before. What it means to love. To be loved. War! England's at war! The way you follow the rhythms of language, I have to tell you, Mr. Tolkien, I've never come across anything like it. This is more than just a friendship. It's an alliance. An invincible alliance. A fellowship. a new episode of Newcomers. Oh boy, I'm Nicole Byer. I'm Lauren Lapkus. Oh boy, this is our ninth episode of our second season and we're exploring the Lord of the Rings franchise for the first time with the help of nerds and super fans and sometimes people who've contributed to the movies. We started with the trilogy, then we did that Hobbit, and then we did some <laughs> fanfic. I love the fanfic. That was fun. Then now we're now we're doing stuff. We're doing we did the biopic. My God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. We're talking about the 2019 biopic Tolkien, which is available to stream on HBO Max with the two massive trilogies behind us. Now we think it's time to just take a peek inside of the man who started it all. Mr. Junior R. Tolkien. Right before we start diving into the deeper cuts, which I can't imagine that there are deeper cuts than this. I mean, this felt Lauren, like a deep this cut. went so deep that I was like, the well is dry. There's yeah, nothing the well's here. Dry. There's nothing to say. And so we are going to talk about spoilers. If you care about spoilers, go watch the 18 hours of films that we've already covered <laughs> and you will be caught up. Um, but what are your thoughts, Nicole, about just the Hobbit trilogy and where we are right now with this journey? I mean, I 
think I liked the three Lord of the Rings better than the three Hobbit movies. And I definitely would have loved to watch a three hour Lord of the Ring movie instead of this because (laughs) it was I don't want to be like rude, but it came out last year and I never heard of it. Nobody who lives with me ever heard of it. Nobody's heard of this movie. No one's ever heard of it. It's random. It feels like it's from like the 90s with just how pointless and boring it is, honestly. Um, (laughs) But before we get into all of that, I think our guest is going to have a lot to say about this. We are so excited for our guest today because I am married to him. This is my husband, Mike Castle. Now, don't speak yet. Mike is a writer and actor. <laughs> he's, he's known for playing Adam on Netflix's Bruise Brothers. I certainly know him from that. And he also starred yeah, this as is key. AJ Salerno on the TBS television series Clipped, which is where we met. And I played Joy. And I don't know if I had a last name. I think I might have. I think you did. Was it Simpson? I don't know. Okay. Well, welcome, Mike. <laughs> Hi. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) We're so excited to talk about Tolkien with you. Yes, Mike. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Also, I learned his name is Tolkien. I was calling him Tolkien, but I didn't know it was Keen, Tolkien. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that seemed to be one of the... But I feel like we can't bully him for that because that was like a a plot point that you can't bully him for that. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, Mike, I know from, you know, knowing you that sure. you are a Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. Well, wait, hold on. One more thing, though, about I that the movie was giving me flashbacks of when my mom made me watch Black Beauty as a kid, which was like about <laughs> like a horse in like World War One uh-huh. or something. I don't know. I hated it so much. And this was very similar to that in that it was it was mainly about English war history. Yeah. And basically nothing about <laughs> anything interesting. We at are all. gonna dive really deep into all of sure, that. Sure, sorry, and yeah. We'd love to hear all about Black Beauty as well. Um, <laughs> but how did you become a Lord of the Rings fan? How did that happen to you? Uh I feel like it's it it just happens to kids like me, basically. I feel like I, I was like reading it before I even thought about reading it. Like, Wait, what I do you mean my... kids like you? What was wrong with you? Like, yeah, like little, like, start over. like almost like <laughs> seemingly over. normal, but then like weird and don't like any, I didn't like any sports growing up. I didn't like doing anything with other mm. kids, you know, and it you was were just an like indoor kid. I was, yes, I was a latchkey kid. You were on the swim team. Yeah, but it, yeah, I don't want to get into it. We couldn't quit. I was unable to quit the team, and I tried in so many different ways. Family rules. Yeah, um, but it was just one of those books. I, I I remember reading The Hobbit in fifth grade, and then all the Lord of the Rings in sixth and seventh grade, and then again in high school, and then again in college, and then did again a teacher recently. in fifth grade <sighs> give it to you, or did you find it? It, we had those, you would have to take these computer tests, like book report proficiency kind of tests. And you could pick these books that were all on a list. And Lord of the Rings was on some list. And so it was like, you would just read those because you already, I had older brothers and my dad was a nerd. I read it because my dad liked it as well. You know, So it's one of those ones where you always hear about it. He was really into sci-fi and fantasy. And so it was kind of one of those ones where I was always just like, oh, I think I have to read that at some point. Yeah. Now, you've read it so many times, so obviously your knowledge of the franchise goes much deeper than the two film trilogies that I just got to watch with you. (laughs) Um, Now, how do you feel that 
how do you feel the films compare with the other book, with the books or with other content? Is there anything that's missing that you feel is really frustrating or like anything that's there's too well, much I'm, of? I feel like Gabrus already brought up the character Tom Bombadil, who's yeah, it's just come up a couple best. times. Yeah, he's I think like Zach the, might have brought. He's like the spirit of the entire book. He's like I the feel best like then ever. if they're going to make another movie, it needs to be focused on this character because everybody's mentioned him. Honestly, yeah. I, I was thinking something was going to come up with his little group of four British friends in this one where somehow like the kids, they would be Tom or something. And I was just, yeah, I mean, I don't, sort. I guess the thing is, here's what's hard, Nicole. And I bet you'll agree with me. I don't care enough to really learn about Tom Bombadil. However, hearing that everyone loves him so much, I'm like, oh, he should be a featured player. Yeah. See, I want to know more about Tom Bombadil. But then I'm like, well, if he wasn't in the movies, I guess he wasn't important. (laughs) Yes. Right. Sure. Uh, But but it's like one of those things that wouldn't be in the spark notes, but then you get it wrong on the test. And the teacher would be like, that's Uh. how I know you didn't read it. Oh, that's a real trap. Yeah. But with Tom Bombadil, and actually, I feel like this with the entire franchise uh, of Lord of the Rings, and I, but I don't feel it with any other of these franchises, but uh, I just like the entire thing. I'm like, and even watching The Hobbit with you, I, I liked it more. Uh, yeah. The book is significantly better than that m- trilogy. It shouldn't be a trilogy. And also mm-hmm. the book is, it's just like more fun. There was something, the, the last movie was unbelievably draining. Do you want to <laughs> discuss at all how it feels to watch me watch the movies? I thought I couldn't complain about this. No, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like I got like a sort of like my comeuppance actually when we were watching this because I, I was like pounding my head, like screaming, I'm bored. Like mm-hmm. I was pacing around. I was like furious. I was like, I want to just rip my face off. Honestly, the amount of times you said, I'm so bored. I watched stuff. I was going, yeah. Calm down because I'm I've been through this so many times yeah. watching mm-hmm. something that I hate and so boring. I'm like, you can't handle this. This is I, I think I, <laughs> this I just was so mild don't... in comparison to three hours of being bored. <laughs> this, is, this is so easy to ignore. You have to barely pay attention to get what's going on in this one. Yeah, <laughs> true, fine. true. But that—that's almost the problem for me. Is is yeah. that every time I look up, it's st- it's like just like wood, and I'm just like mm-hmm. they did that that one shot, Nicole, where they were like, oh yeah, they he kissed the girl, and they then, like, like snuck into they the just opera, zoomed out for like ten minutes. I was for, like, that's yes, not for cool. so long, like. <laughs> and then the conversation about I can't even remember the word now. They said the word a hundred times. So so. I don't know. She was like, it's a princess. He's like, he's not a princess. They t- That scene went on for so long. You don't remember that one? No, was, I wish I did. It's dumb. So they're like in a restaurant <laughs> and he's like, I write languages. And she's like, uh-huh. it's the meaning. It's not what it's not what it sounds like. And he's like, but it's not a prince. He like throws a fit. And then I was just like, the fuck is happening? And the scene lasted for so long. Yeah, that was pretty much every scene. It was just like, why is this going on? Well, because also everything, it would like fade into it from the previous sequence. So you're like, was he dreaming? Yeah, like at the Wait, end of the kiss, he woke now? up in a bed and I was like, yeah. So did it really happen? Ugh. It, it was very, very brutal. Mike, how much did you know about Tolkien's personal life before watching this biopic? Mainly sort of trivia points, you know, where someone would say like, whole thing's like a metaphor for World War One, you know, like that kind of thing. So I was like, I guess I he's like you, in World War One. From doing this podcast, guys love to say that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> they love it very much. Truly. But also that was something I found so annoying in watching this movie when they were really showing us like, and then that's how he came up with the ring raids. And then they, they were yeah. elves. I'm like, this is so fucking. It didn't explain enough like why he 
cared or why it was this, but why don't we jump into our Shirewire segment okay. here for a second? And before we deep dive into the film, now this is our news segment and Waito Workshop, which is the special effects and prop company behind the two trilogies has built a miniature display of Hobbiton. Now I collect miniatures. So this is actually really exciting for me. Wait, do you really? I do. What kind of miniatures do you have? Um, I have a bunch. All kinds. I have I have lots of little things like you'd probably like my eggplant. Uh, honestly, going to Japan will start that Ooh. collection because you can go into these places and they give you like this tiny tray and then like mm-hmm. little uh, like plier things and you like you or tweezers and you just like grab miniatures out of a pile. Like it's I've amazing. Al- well, I, I've always collected That's them since fun. I was little, but. I I realized recently that it was a collection. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I have like mm. a ton of this shit. And so now I kind of do it more actively. Nice. Wow. <laughs> so it's on like a, a table, like a train set or like a little mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. These are very cute. It's so cute. It is. It is cute. I am into it. I like little things. Yeah. There's something so sweet about being into doing that. It's mm-hmm. the same as like a train set thing. You're like, great. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So you like that and you just follow it around. Yeah, this is way more intense than anything I've ever done. Uh-huh. I just throw them onto a shelf and I'm like, how cute. They're small. <laughs> but this looks really fun. And I like to imagine like getting really tiny and running around. Yes. That's the downsizing we need. I would love to be small for just a little bit and then be like normal sized again. Oh my God, that would be so fun. Like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Mm-hmm. I like tiny things, but I also really like big things, like things that aren't supposed to be big. Like a big pencil makes me laugh. <laughs> Didn't you go to a restaurant where they gave you like a big spoon or something? There's or what was a, it? Okay, so you have to go. It is called um, Barton G, the restaurant. The food is so overpriced. It's fully disgusting. Okay. But when you order a steak, you get a like, two three foot size fork in it and then the popcorn shrimp comes in a popcorn machine and then they have a funnel cake that comes in a little shooting duck thing um and then when they serve you the food a server comes over and goes give me your phone and you're like what and they're like give me your phone and then they take a picture for you you don't even have to ask that's <laughs> hilarious give me your it's phone dumb. just give it to me you'll just be give glad. it to me you know you'll want it and um, I hit Madeline in the head with that fork uh, by accident. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so fun. Well, the crew at Wada Workshop has shared a video that features artists Stephen Saunders and Mark Dews creating a custom-made miniature display of Hobbiton from Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. So you can see it on YouTube if you're interested. And I'll tell you something. I didn't realize uh, it was called Hobbiton. I thought it was called... The Shire. the Shire. It is. It is. It's like that's like an area of the Shire. They would say like Hobbiton and they they like name it after it, it's, it's people. All, yeah. But it's it's like it's all this shit. It's it's like every map has like the name of the town, then like another name for it and a name for this area and a name for the families who live there. And it's all Ooh, he did so much work. To me, I'm like, put that in the movie. The movie didn't make me feel like that. I, like I kept thinking like, oh, he was like a big linguist. This is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. This is going to be so cool. And then it was like, there's no discussion of any of it except him going like, in this book is my own language. And then they're like, great. And then you never hear. It was almost like like, no one cared that he was doing it. And I also felt like he's not, he doesn't seem that weird or interesting. He just seemed like a really hot guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was annoying. Like, I just thought, wait, so this random guy just likes writing this stuff and no one really responds to it or cares. And then that's it. It's like we saw the wrong period of his life. Like, yes. show yes. me when everyone likes the book and then his mm-hmm. life. I would love that. 
I felt like someone read a Wikipedia page and then wrote a script as opposed to yes. like really understanding the books and understanding the man behind the books. And yeah, loving like it, it. It didn't yeah, even feel like, like it loved yes. it. Yes. It was as if me and Lauren made this movie. We're like, here's a Tolkien movie. Yeah. I Literally, it would have been better if we did because this would be, if, <laughs> I would never write the script and go, he was a kid. And then mm-hmm. he was a guy and then there was a war. And then he, at the end, wrote one sentence. Like, mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> this is nuts. I want to see his rise to fame and like what how it, mm-hmm. how it messed yeah. with his family. Yeah. Were there annoying fans then? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it would have been better if they started with him as a like an adult. I didn't care about his, him being a kid. No. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And then his mom died. And he took it so well. Yes, he did. He handled it so well. I was like, when my mom died, I didn't just like hug my dead mother and be like, well, off to like grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. It was very weird. I I was literally during that. I was saying out loud, did she die? Same. That's what I said. Because I wasn't sure if that was what was happening. And then he's like rocking Mm -hmm. her body back and forth. Because when you cut back to the actress, she was like, yeah, (laughs) she's like laying down with her tongue out. And I guess we're like, it's over. I guess she died. Mm-hmm. Um, just to wrap up this Shirewire. So according to crew members, each year our Hobbit Hole collection grows and grows. With so many adorning our shelves, we needed an entirely new space to house the Shire. So their attention to detail is extreme, with Stephen Saunders spraying the model with water and wood glue as he explains, we need to find a way to make every little area interesting. So we're going around and just covering it in PVA glue and chucking all sorts of different flocking over the top and little bits of foam greenery. We want to create beautiful little areas like this that feel like a real place where the hobbits would hang out. Mm-hmm. Really, we just want every little bit of this to be interesting and we want little stories to be told in every little part of Hobbiton. That sounds Aww. like OCD. See, he has a favorite cute. word and it's little. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the full link to the video is in our show notes. Um, but yeah, the pictures are very cute and delightful. It does look like a little Thomas the Train engine set. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm, this I actually very much really like. Yeah. It would be a cool house piece for you to have. Actually, since it's happening um, in the past now, we're going to stay in that little hobbit hole that you sent me on Airbnb. I'm so excited. We're going tomorrow. So many pictures. (laughs) It looks so cute. It really does. It looks so cute. I'm so excited. And it's right by the beach. So hopefully the air won't be smoke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's like another shitty thing about, <laughs> you know, trying to get away. It's like, will the air yeah. be okay? I know. I know. It's oh, horrible. Boy. Can we, before we go to break, can we talk about egg cups? Yes. John Milheiser <laughs> makes, so I say them wrong. They're not called egg cups. What it sits in is an egg cup, but it's a soft boiled egg that English people call dippies. And then the bread that you put in it, they call soldiers. And you're not supposed <gasps> to put butter on them. Uh, I like, or no, you're supposed to put butter, no jam. I like jam on them. And everyone's like, jam and eggs? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Is that that's is that weird? Am I weird? I don't think that's that weird. Like, you no. would have a piece of toast with jam on it next to your eggs breakfast. That's what yeah, I absolutely. thought. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you naturally would mix anyway if you were having that kind of breakfast. Yeah. But people are like, but you can't choose to put those pieces together. <laughs> it does feel like a very like hobbity slash mm-hmm. British meal that you've been enjoying a lot of. It lately. does seem like that. Yeah. I think it is like a part of like a British breakfast or whatever. Have you ever had a soft boiled? I had never had a soft boiled egg until this year. I like soft boiled eggs, but we and I actually have gotten into medium boiled eggs this year. Which has been oh. like my She's being thing. modest. She's gotten really. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to do this. 
Wait, what is a medium boiled a egg? A medium is like, some people call it a jammy egg. I've heard that. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's kind of like gooey in the center, not so, so drippy. Maybe I'm eating medium No, I think eggs? you're eating soft. From what I've seen, I think they're soft. Because it's really, it's like, it's goo. <laughs> it might be. So what, what I would do for a jammy egg is you boil the water, then you put the eggs in for exactly six and a half minutes. Then you put the eggs into the sink with ice around them Mm -hmm. and then you eat them. Is that what you're doing? No. So what we're doing is, well, John always makes them for me. I'm like a child. Mm. I'm like, I want my egg cup. And then 15 minutes later, I get my egg cup. (laughs) And you're calling it that. Basically, you're binky. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's like calling it the wrong thing. (laughs) I refuse to call it the right thing. That holds the egg. (laughs) (laughs) But he cooks them for exactly five minutes. And then. Oh, yeah doesn't cool them off. He immediately puts it in the the little, I call it the the little holder, which is, it's just the egg cup. But, and then he, <laughs> he even cracks it open for me. Okay. Well, oh, actually I, I was going to ask you about That's that because so that part him. seems hard. Mm-hmm. You put it in the egg cup. Then how do you get the top off without losing half of the egg? So you, the top part of it or like the outside mm-hmm. of the egg is like almost hard boiled, but not really. It's still like you can like poke down on it. So he just wow. like dings it a little bit, makes a little hole and then peels it so, so then I can get into it. Oh, he's doing a lot for yeah. you. So oh, he does a in. lot. for Yes, it's uh, <laughs> I'm very well taken care of. Uh, I'm obsessed with John. I I when he did that um, Emmy's red carpet for you, I was mm-hmm. like, this is the nicest, most thoughtful and like creatively executed thing I've ever seen. He is very, very good to me. Uh it's like we're more than roommates at this point. Like we're common law. We've lived together for like seven yeah. years. You can never not live together. I don't like the idea. I don't know what it I'll do. It truly brings ever... me joy to know that you're together. <laughs> I feel safe. You're not the yeah. first person to say that. Sometimes I'll start to get nervous and then I'll remember you guys live together and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Something's that's right. Good. That's good. Yeah, he's the best. Like it feels really safe. It yeah. feels like really like, like you have this fun household all the time, mm-hmm. which like feels so nice. It's just great. <laughs> it is nice. It's a lot of yelling. And I'm sometimes worried that my neighbors are like, what happens in there? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun and a lot of egg cups. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to really get into this really boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little 
uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Ooh, do you want to make your mom smile? Start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brand she loves. And guess what? It's delivered with the same day with DoorDash. Get 50% off your next order of up to $15 when you spend $15 plus on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now on DoorDash. And the promo code is NEWCOMERS. Listen, moms are a gift. I know that best. So give her the best this Mother's Day. Select from hundreds of expertly crafted bouquets to the best of tech to self-care essentials delivered right to the door. Get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 plus on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with the code NEWCOMERS. That's NEWCOMERS. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Get a Mother's Day gift as unique as she is with DoorDash. Oh boy, we're back. We're back. Let's get into it. So this was directed by Dom Caracosco. (laughs) That's not how you say it. Dom, Um, Dom, Dom, right? Dome. I don't know. Dom Caracosco. Caracosco. Yeah. Dom. No, you did bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what about the writer? Who wrote it? Ah, yeah, who wrote this? That's what I need to know. Because we got to yell at them. But it did have that that feeling in the direction that made it feel just so stiff it was it mm-hmm. was truly so dramatic in a way that was like really unnecessary and then random like that po- that long shot down that corridor was mm-hmm. is just random it was written by david gleason who um irish. is irish that was the only fact i got and then stephen beresford who's english oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. the only info i'm giving anyone about this these two they did bad i just feel like my question really is when you're pitching to do a tolkien biopic yeah. why not Give me the highlights. I want like, and if that was the most interesting stuff in his life, he doesn't get a movie. Yeah. Yes. Because also they weren't really giving much info to the, like, I I feel that someone would be like, well, it's very important that he was in war and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. then the war stuff, I was like, what is his role there? What is he doing? How long is he there? Like, it didn't feel like the war was the point either. So it's like every scene, I was like, what is the point of this? There was, there was no stakes. I was like, did maybe right. he have pushback from an editor? Did maybe he have to find a publisher? Did, was it was it just smooth sailing? I was like, that's what I care about. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the quick synopsis of this movie is, as a young student, J.R.R. Tolkien finds love, friendship, and artistic inspiration among a group of fellow outcasts. Their brotherhood soon strengthens as Tolkien weathers the storm of a tumultuous courtship with Edith Bratt and the outbreak of World War I. These early life experiences later inspire the budding author to write the classic fantasy novels, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Like, 
wait, how did he get inspired? Like, I don't even get also, that. Yes. Wasn't, that didn't, I wouldn't call that a tumultuous relationship. No, no it seemed really great. It was yeah. fine. It was like, we love each other. We can't be together, but now we're back together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they had kids and everything. It's like, yeah. that's not really tumultuous. It was real nice. Yeah, it was pretty relaxing. Wait, should we read the in-depth one? Yeah, we should. I mean, the in-depth one is truly just two more paragraphs oh, than that. Fuck. Oh, okay, thank yeah, yeah. God. I thought you were going to okay. keep scrolling. I no, I was so scared. scared. No. Um, okay, okay so, so you started off and we'll switch off. As uh, young children being raised by a single mother, J.R.R. Tolkien and his brother receive help from a local priest, Father Francis, who must relocate them from their home to small apartments in, uh, is that Birmingham? There's a Birmingham in England? I guess. Hmm. I would say Due to Birmingham. financial, yeah. Mike is like, yes, there's Birmingham's everywhere. Well, I, honestly, it, it was it was as they were saying it in the movie last night. I was like, oh, there's a Birmingham there. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Due to financial hardships, uh, their mother is supportive and loving, filling their minds with stories of adventure and mystery, which she recites by the fireplace at night. That scared me because it was like a cowboy shot from low up on her mm-hmm. face as she was like telling a story. And I was like, is she going to hit them? But then she didn't because nothing happens in this movie. She becomes ill. Yes. However, one day upon returning home from school, Tolkien finds her slumped in a chair dead. And he don't give a fuck. He hugs her and moves on. Father Francis becomes the boy's legal guardian and eventually finds a kindly rich woman who agrees to take them in, providing providing them with room and board while they continue their childhood education. There, Tolkien meets Edith Bratt, a woman, uh, the woman's only other ward. Tolkien is impressed with Edith, <laughs> whose piano playing he admires that you become friends. Yeah, she's also stunning beauty, played by Lily Collins. It's like, is, I think it's a piano playing. Yeah. I can't. Is that Phil Collins's daughter? Yes. Uh-huh. I thought John was lying to me. <laughs> no. Um, what a uh, medium level prank that would be. <laughs> <laughs> At school, Tolkien immediately shows talent with languages, earning rough treatment from a rival classmate, Robert. (laughs) I'm good at languages too. Rival classmate, Robert. When the two boys get into a fight, the headmaster, Robert's father, orders that they spend all of their time together for the remainder of the term. While both initially resent the assignment, Tolkien is soon accepted into Robert's small circle of friends and the four, J.R.R., Robert, Jeffrey, and Christopher, form a close friendship which grows with the years, even as they attend separate universities. Meanwhile, Tolkien continues his friendship with Edith, falling in love with her. Father Francis finds out about their relationship and recognizes that it is affecting Tolkien's grades, and so forbids him from pursuing her while under his guardianship. Tolkien is distraught, not wanting to lose the priest's financial support of his schooling. He relates the conversation to Edith, who uh, promising they will be able to be together when he reaches 21, the age of majority, but she instead ends the relationship. <laughs> Which is so crazy. Imagine fucking so much you can't study. Tolkien <laughs> struggles at Oxford, but attracts the attention of Professor Joseph Wright, a prominent, uh-oh, phil- philologist? Philologist? Yeah, phil- philologist. The, ooh, I got it right on the second try. The study of language <laughs> in oral and written historical sources. Tolkien realizes language is his true passion and enrolls in Wright's class. When the First World War breaks out, he and his friends enlist in the British Army. Before Tolkien leaves, Edith returns, and the two declare their love for each other. At the Battle of the Somme, uh, Tolkien <laughs> suffers from trench fever, baby, and goes to look for Jeffrey. I got uh, trench fever. <laughs> he got trench fever. <laughs> 
He's convinced that he's calling him, but he's unable to find him and collapses unconscious. He wakes in the hospital weeks later with Edith by his side to find out that Jeffrey and Robert were killed. Christopher survived, but he was traumatized. Years later, Tolkien and Edith are married with several children, and Tolkien is now a professor at Oxford himself. I would have liked to see how that happened. The film ends with him inspired to write the famous opening of The Hobbit. Oh. I mean, like, I've, give me the story of the author. Like, yes. it's literally. As, as you just read that, I thought, whoa, so we actually didn't miss anything. Like, no, <laughs> we saw everything. And when you think about the war inspiring those books, here's what I need. Him writing the books, everything that happens when he writes them and how they get successful or when they get successful, if he's alive to see that. And some flashbacks to war. Yes. yes Two flashbacks yes, where yes, he's like, yes. no, go without me. And then you're like, that's how he came up with Sam and... Right, right. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Like, I mean, you know, fudge it a little bit. Who cares? Yeah, Um, I agree. Like the back end of this, not even the back. Yeah, yeah, I guess the back end of the movie, I was like, this is where it should start. I don't understand why we're seeing anything as a child. Like nothing from his childhood seems to have influenced his books. No. They're like the mom did because she was a storyteller. That was as close as I could get to there being any point to that. I feel like you could just say that in a sentence. Oh, my mom was a storyteller. Right. One time she died in a chair and I kept moving her back and forth. Because I'm like, that's a story. That's fascinating. You found her dead. That's terrifying. I mean, it would have been more fascinating if he like moved her around like Weekend at Bernie's and was like, my mom's Mm -hmm. still alive. It's like (laughs) Weekend at Frodo's. My mom's a habit. And everyone's like, dude, he lost it. Oh, my God. (laughs) That really got me. (laughs) Weekend at Frodo's. My mom's a hobbit. Oh, boy. I don't think the books would have done well if that was the premise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mike, so now that you've learned more about Tolkien from watching this film, did it leave you more or less interested in Middle Earth? Like, did it mess with your perception of what you love so much? It is. uh, It's totally unrelated. (laughs) It's just a totally different thing. You could tell me at the end of that that, and then he wrote Dune, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I see how that could be like Dune." Yeah, not related at all. I truly agree. I feel like in a way, I sort of like the the movies more because they were more interesting than this. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm just like glad that happened. Also, he had some throwaway line where he was like, "And when I was making up my language, I thought, what if there was an old civilization?" It's like the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and then he's like, and then that becomes this book you love. It made me like it all less. What about you, Nicole? What are your feelings? I mean, I guess it may, I guess how I feel is like Tolkien was a very <laughs> un, uninteresting person whose head was filled with interesting things. But then I, I was like, is it that interesting that he can describe a tree in 10 pages? So I just, I'm not, I don't know. I, I don't know if he is for me, the genre is for me. <laughs> well, I don't know we know it's not. Lord of the Rings is for <laughs> me. This movie definitely was not for me. I can't even say the acting was good. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't feel like I'm, you know, a fantasy head now or anything like that. But I do feel like I have gained an appreciation or understanding of why people love this stuff. But this movie... I feel like does a disservice to Tolkien because you just have to assume, even if I wouldn't want to talk to him and he's like obsessed with talking about stuff like this or like languages and I would find it boring. I still feel like he, they didn't, they didn't delve into like what made him unique or special or worth Mm -hmm. writing about worth watching a movie about. And that's on them. Like, I feel like, you know, 
I feel like a lot of times these types of movies aren't always exactly 100% accurate. Like sometimes uh-huh. they heighten things to make the story more interesting. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even do that at, on any no. part of this. Well, I, I want to retract saying it made me like it all, the the world less. I, I think I, I want to more say it feels unrelated to all of yes. it. Where I just go like, it's yeah. not canon for me. That movie is not canon. I don't think it's canon for anybody because I think mm-hmm. the budget was 20 million. And Oh yeah, the budget was 20 million and it grossed only 9 million. So this movie oh, was yeah. for no one. It's not part of anyone's canon. But like his <laughs> friendship with these boys... One, I was like, ooh, are they going to get gay? And they didn't. But I, was I thought like, that too. Well. I, I, we're all probably thinking of the, yeah. the poetry boy. His yeah. name was something close to Samwise Gamgee. Oh, yeah. His from, last name was like Wiseman, right? Like, yeah, Christopher oh, wait, no, Wiseman. Who I'm talking about is Jeffrey Box Smith. Oh, that wasn't the same one. That's why I thought something was going to happen. But like. when Wiseman came in, I thought, is that what Samwise is supposed mm-hmm. to be? Well, that's what something? I mean. Like, they could have fudged that to be like his friend's inspired the camaraderie is that a word camaraderie close enough (laughs) you know buddy buddy shit (laughs) (laughs) but you know like even at the end when they kind of gave like the like the little credits where they were like he later named his son after his friend I'm like show me that give me some of those things were more interesting than everything that was in the whole movie it's almost like they cast Nicholas Holt first and then we're like Mm -hmm. well he's gotta be in this age range Yeah. yeah we can only do the war stuff and I think I would have preferred him older uh-huh. and then talking about his friends or like telling yes. his kids his life like story. Like the or- movie exactly. with Bilbo yes. remembering <laughs> his journey. Wait, yes. literally, if you are a fan of this shit, why would you not mm-hmm. map it over the movies mm-hmm. that exist and mm-hmm. like tell the story through that lens of his the characters that he well, created? You, you know that these like British and Irish writers were like, that would actually be too straightforward. Yeah. So we're going to do something a little different. And then it's like, they just, they're like, we'll just make it all translate the Wikipedia. It's truly so boring. So, um, well, here's a question just generally, does knowing an author make any difference to your enjoyment of their art? I feel like we're all facing this right now with JK Rowling because mm. yeah. it's like knowing her tweets were like, yeah. this does color what we think about these books or yeah. a lot of people, but I didn't like the book. So it was like, Fine with me. Oh, you I'm didn't not, like uh, the books? Well, I mean, I was like, oh, she seems like sucky. No, I never <laughs> liked them. I, there were ones where my mom was like really into them and into us reading them and stuff. And I just did not care for them at all. I liked the books when I was a kid, but I only read one through four. And then I saw a bunch of the movies, I think. But have you read them all, Nicole? I read them, them all. all. I saw the movie first and I was like, wow, what a magical world. <laughs> I saw my junior year of high school and I was like, yes. And then I went and bought, I think it was up to book five. I read through four, thought they were good. I read five and I was like, you know, this is not, I don't like this. And then six was bad for, I didn't like six, but I did read it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, knowing an author I'm, I'm thinking about like other people where i'm like that does sometimes later make you think oh did i even like that book like uh-huh. i used to love jd salinger a lot when i was a teenager and i and one thing i actually thought was cool about him was that he uh like dated a really young woman because <laughs> i was like i'm a young woman i like that and then as i got older i thought that was more odd and um, I also just, you know, read another book about him that his daughter wrote uh, where he comes off more like an asshole and then like he's a hermit and whatever. And there's all this stuff about him. And you're like, so wait, 
did those were those books just like a fleeting moment of your mm-hmm. personality or was that more of who you are like it's like you can be a genius at one thing and not at anything else yeah, you can I be think, great yeah. at writing and be a piece of shit and I sort of think that's okay like yeah, I sort no, of yeah, think same. like I just try to avoid my, my answer to that is I just avoid ever learning about ah. writers usually I don't like any movies about writers it's like why is this well, I do sort of think this is like an internet problem, like that we know so much about people. You yeah. have too much access to people. I one of my favorite authors is Augustine Burroughs, who mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be the best person and has fabricated a lot of things. But that being said, it doesn't taint the books for me. Like Running with Scissors is such a fun time. The movie's yeah. not so great, but like the book is so much fun. Dry is an incredible book, true or not. Like I was sobbing through a lot of it. So are they supposed to be like memoirs? Yeah. But like everything that happens are crazy. Remember when that happened with James Fry? Oh, James Fry. Right. Fry or whatever it was. Yeah, A Million Little Pieces. Yes, that's what it was, yeah. A great book. But like, also I'm like, if it's made up, okay. We Just don't say that it's true. Yeah, right. It's great. It's like, what an imagination you had. Like, and I'm sure it's happened to other people, but like, yeah, just don't say it's yours. Same with um, who wrote um, American Psycho? He's not Brett Easton Ellis. Brett Easton Ellis. He's not. Yes, yeah, so that always happens to me with Tim. Everyone's always like, if you say you like one of his things, and they're like, well, you know, he's like a, kind of an abuser, right? And you go like, I, I mean, I, I guess I could have assumed that. And I'm like, it shows in the books. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, writing exactly. about murderers. Yeah, kills yeah, women. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I do feel like the same thing happens with musicians when you find out mm-hmm. something bad about someone. Like, it sucks because there are certain people where, you, I mean, I don't even want to name people. I, I'm, I'm literally not naming any of the writers I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to ruin them for No, someone. and I think, like, mm. there's people where you hear a story and it's, first of all, you heard a story. I, I mean, I, I believe most things I hear if it's about someone being a bad person, I'm mm-hmm. going to trust that. It's easy to believe. But <laughs> it still, like, sucks when you're like, oh, I love this song. And then you think, oh, yeah, he's a bad person. You're like, oh, but I still like this song. And then... It's like you can't even enjoy the song anymore. Yeah. And I like, yeah, well, Michael Jackson is a strong example. But like, I feel like you think about the documentary. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be thinking about this. Yeah. It just sucks because things become intertwined like so easily. Yeah. it it, it ha- It's almost better to me if the, the person is dead. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of why, that's like, why I chose eh, him as fine. a person, because I was like, I'm not saying anything that people haven't been saying. For right. Me. But I want to know who you guys are talking about. And <laughs> boy. But there was this writer that I really loved in, like from when I was a teenager through college, and I was always like, this guy is the best. And then basically everyone I know who's ever interacted with him is like, he is literally the worst misogynistic alcoholic piece of shit ever. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, and then he had a book come out like two years ago. And I was like, can't read it. I don't like but it. But you can. I know, um, but, but the whole the time thing. because the character feels like it's him, I'm like, I don't know. So, okay, I try not to support bad people, so I'll buy things secondhand. So, like, <laughs> oh, that's smart. I wanted to read Faye Resnick's book about Nicole <laughs> Brown Simpson, which is, like, salacious and, like, not nice. <laughs> but I bought it off of, like, I bought it from eBay because I was like, oh, that's just from a person, whatever. And let me tell you, it was worth it. She a bad person. <laughs> See, but then that's good because you're like helping someone get their money back for the book. Mm-hmm. True. So it's kind of like a good, nice yeah. closure to that. It's a kind <laughs> of charity. Yeah. I Yeah, I like that idea of buying something yeah. used that you don't want to support. I mean, I what I've done, what, I did this once. Uh, there was someone's book that I didn't want to buy, but I, I, I did want to know some things from it. So I, every time I was at the airport, I read parts of it. And then I truly read like most of it because I was great. traveling a lot of the time and I was like, 
every time I went in, I just found it in the bookstore and just read like a new part. And I was like, I'd stand there for like 30 minutes. And yeah. like, right. I did that too with someone's book that I didn't want to give them money. <laughs> I, I want to know who it is. Oh, I'll tell you after. <laughs> yeah, we can talk after. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, okay. Well, okay. Are there any aspects or, you know, any themes or characters of the other six films you've seen so far that now make more sense because of this biopic? I would, I say, would no. say absolutely not. Well, I guess he has like, he like is in the woods talking about trees and shit at the end. So I was like, right. I guess he loves a tree. <laughs> yeah. No. It, yeah, it's like it was... any of the things are just universal aspects, right? The only thing I can think of is like, war and his mom telling him stories but I go like that's mm -hmm. nothing <laughs> but nothing happened during the war that would lead yes. you to believe he was inspired to write this book right he wears a skinny scarf and that's about it like uh-huh and he like I puts just, on a mask to yes. avoid like mustard gas and I kept thinking like what is that supposed to be like nothing I don't know yeah they didn't explain it um well so I was mentioning that sometimes biopics will embellish and we are going to get into some fact checking so maybe oh. they did embellish some things here but before we do that let's talk about the reception of the film so the film received mixed reviews from critics and was a box office bomb grossing <laughs> 9 million <laughs> against a 20 million budget that's why the film holds a 51% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and 71% for the audience score that's actually really high yeah yeah the, it feels like you know, 50% of that 71% didn't see it. <laughs> the website's critical consensus reads, Tolkien has the period trappings and strong performances of a worthy biopic, but lacks the imagination required to truly do its subject justice. Oh, well, that's really God. accurate. Yeah, I agree with that because it looked so beautiful and John the whole time was watching it. He was like, I should like this. This is my yep. aesthetic. <laughs> it looks like something I would like. It's the time period. I love British people. But this is so boring. Oh, picture John dressed for war at that time. He <laughs> oh would my look amazing. God. God, that would look so right for him. <laughs> I love Watching that. John in a war would be very funny. Everyone's yes. like down in a trench and he's like, what if we sing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can yeah. you make a video of being like the, the fun guy in the foxhole? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell him. I'll give him something to do. Uh, <laughs> I just picture him in that outfit. It, it works. It's so good. Just it's anything so, you would do would be very funny. I'm sure he owns something that would right. work. John's going to be so excited when I tell him we just talked about him throughout this whole episode. <laughs> uh, Wendy ID? ID, I get all the hard words. From The Observer gave it two out of five stars, commenting a decades-long trudge through Middle Earth would seem like a carefree skip through the park compared to this slog of a literary biopic. Wow, she's I like Wendy. literally on our same page. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, I truly said that. I was like, I would rather watch three hours than this movie ever again. Mm-hmm. Writing for The Plain Dealer, Chuck Yarborough regretted it A, calling it a wonderful piece of art and a magical film worthy of the wizardry of Gandalf himself. What are you this talking about? This is not God. worthy of Gandhi. He didn't watch it. He wrote it before he saw it. Yes, exactly. That's a review before you watch it kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not here for Chuck. No. <laughs> um, okay, so fact checking. Now, I'm kind of excited about this. Um, just kind of. Yeah. Everybody yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <You're> crazy. <laughs> Now, the question is, did Tolkien rekindle his relationship with Brat after returning from war? So in the film, Tolkien, I his name is to me is Tolkien. And I really hated that scene where he's like, Keen, it's Keen, uh -huh. not in, <laughs> he's Keen. 
It made me so angry. Uh, so that also seems like a weird point to like have in the movie, like, like him like correcting someone. I'm like, yeah. And then also like the headmaster being like, now I'm mad at you. Yeah, like, <laughs> like he would just, just cut, cut to day two where they already know how to yes. say it. Like whatever. But also I was like, if we're in the theater, we all know how to say the man's name. Mm. Not yes. one person was like, Tolkien? Uh, who's that? Let me buy a fucking <laughs> ticket. So Tolkien and Brat <laughs> encounter each other again just before Tolkien is set to join the fighting on the Western Front. When he returns, waking up in a hospital in England, he finds Brat waiting for him. The real story played out a bit differently. Wait, go really condescending with this. According to the Tolkien Society, <laughs> the young Tolkien actually wrote to Brat on his 21st birthday when he was still studying at Oxford and they became engaged soon after. By the time Tolkien was fighting in the Battle of the Somme, he and Brat were already married. <laughs> oh, I, I like don't that. know why they changed it. Yeah. No. Now, did he ever get so drunk that he woke his tutors with his outbursts? Give me a really sarcastic response on No! This. <laughs> this is an entertaining scene in the movie, but there is no evidence that it actually happened in real life. <laughs> okay, Mike, you're going to read the next answer. Oh, okay. Did J.R.R. Tolkien and Edith Bratt really toss sugar cubes at fancy diners? Or fancy, is that dinners? Oh, whoops, at dinners and <laughs> the Birmingham TS? This is based on a real life incident. Tolkien and Edith did toss sugar cubes into people's hats. However, in real life, they sat on a balcony at the tea house and tossed cubes into the hats of people walking by on the pavement down below. Okay, jeez. <laughs> wow. <sighs> I mean, what fucking nerds? Who's just tossing <laughs> sugar cubes at people? That's it was how they had fun. It was back so then. not charming, that sequence. No. It wasn't as that anything. happened. Oh my God. Mike, read me this question. Did Junior R. Tolkien readily accept the call to fight for his country? No. The movie implies Tolkien and his friends went straight to war. However, in real life, okay, Tolkien <laughs> delayed, delayed joining the military long enough to draw criticism, especially from relatives. In those days, chaps joined up or were scorned publicly, he said years later in a letter to his son, Michael. <laughs> it was a nasty cleft to be in for a young man with too much imagination and little physical courage. Tolkien delayed enlistment until he completed his degree in July 1915, almost a year after Britain entered the First World War. Now, put that in the movie. That's more interesting. Put that yes. in the movie. That Show me the moment where Tolkien goes, I have too much of imagination yes. to go to the war. <laughs> I actually thought it was crazy when he just went. I was like, wow, he's, I guess he's really brave. Yeah, I... I Huh. I mean, I would rather watch someone deal with the criticism around mm -hmm. them for yes. like being like, I'm going to finish my degree. And it's like, you fucking nerd. Like, I want to yes. see that. And it also huh. then you you would see how that ripples through the books and stuff where he writes about these really yes. valorous dudes and all this. Right. Shit. It would be but so instead it's like because then you go, oh, I like how you really glorify war, but you didn't want to go, man. Mm hmm. All right. <laughs> well, um, Nicole, when did the when did Tolkien write The Hobbit and what inspired him to write it? Well, after returning from the war, Tolkien eventually became a professor <laughs> at Oxford, where he gave lectures on philosophy. And at the end of the movie, <laughs> the professor sits down to begin writing what would be his signature fantasy series. Mm. Tolkien actually did write The Hobbit while a professor at Oxford, though his real impetus for beginning the project may have been as much pure boredom as artistic inspiration. 
The author has said that the first memorable line of The Hobbit came to him while he was grading a stack of exam papers. Ooh, and this is a quote from him. I remember picking up a paper (laughs) and nearly giving it an extra mark or extra five marks, actually, because one page on this particular paper was left blank. Tolkien told the BBC in 1968, glorious, nothing to read. Wait, so he didn't like reading? Crazy. So I scribbled on it. I can't think why. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. (laughs) So it was truly just, he was just barely paying attention to grades and then just wrote some doodles Mm -hmm. down. And he's like, I'll make this a thousand pages or more. This is why it's not interesting to make things about writers, I think, Mm -hmm. because that is just what it is most of the time is they're like, well, I guess I have some free time. And then you just get addicted to the thing you start writing. And then that's all it is. It's not like they, he was so brave. He went to war and then he he, he made another war on the page. It's like mm-hmm. he didn't, none of that is true. It's all just boring. Is there a documentary about him? I'm sure you guys will find out. I know. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't Well, Mike, it. have you ever seen the cartoon? Yes, I loved the cartoon as a kid. It looked absolutely, it was great. I loved how that whole... Everyone Stuff likes look. the cartoon. Oh, I have think you not seen that? that no, that's like coming up. No, I think that. I have seen up. it because I vaguely recognize the images, but... I'm kind of ready to be disappointed. Like, you know when you revisit something from your childhood and then you're like, this is what it looked like? I thought it was like the most amazing thing ever when he was invisible. I just went through that with Big Mama's house. Not as funny as I remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like really... I bought it. I was so excited yes. to watch Big Mama's house the first. Watching, I was like, hmm... Yeah, it didn't really hold up for me. I was it, really Is depressed. Martin's partner in that Paul Giamatti? Sure is. <laughs> wow. It wow, sure crazy. is. That's pretty sh- shocking. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have remembered it that way. Huh. Yeah, I also didn't remember Paul Giamatti in it. And then Nia Long is also in it. And she just... Right. They wrote her character so dumb. Like, yeah. she doesn't remember what her aunt looks like. And her aunt is like, Big Mama. <laughs> and she's like... Mama, what's different about you? And you're like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. And you're just like, what? <laughs> what the fuck you have to be happening? completely crazy to miss that this is now who that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine someone dressed up as your fat aunt. And you not and getting you're like, it. I think, no, yeah, that's her. <laughs> that's her. Uh, haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> I guess last time I saw her was two years ago. I guess I'll stay in her house. <laughs> so funny. Well, Mike, when we, since we have to go forward and do, you know, we're halfway through our season almost. Okay. But Mm -hmm. I'm assuming some reading is going to come into play at some point, which I'm not excited about. And maybe it won't. And I'm not, I don't, we don't have to put that out there in the universe. Okay. But if we were to read something, and I don't say a whole book, but like, bummer. (laughs) What (laughs) would you say is like, like read the first 10 pages? Oh, honestly, just the first, the first like two chapters of The Hobbit. Oh, okay. It, it's so, it, it's honestly like the most relaxing thing I've ever read. Like, it's just, huh. it's just, it's basically just that miniature. Okay. Interesting. And is that what keeps you reading those books over and over again every yeah. five years? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. Wait, you read them every five years? Kind of happens like that. I, I tend to revisit random books, uh, you know, on, on random schedules. Lauren, is there a book that you keep rereading? No, I almost never reread. I, I actually oh. can't, I think. Most most of the time, even if I'm like, that's my most favorite book in the whole world, I've never read it twice. It's like, I just, I don't really like to watch movies multiple times either. That's true, and I, mm. I don't relate to that at all. But I've started to do it Me more either. in quarantine because I feel like I need comfort. Yeah. That's why I read the same things, and that's why I watch the mm-hmm. same things, because I know it's going to happen 
And I like revisiting the story because it feels like home. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like, especially with something like, you know, you're reading when you're going to bed, but you know what happens. So you're, mm-hmm. you're sort of just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to get to the, the the tree stuff. And then when he's coming out, then I'll read that tomorrow night. And That's interesting. It makes me think I might want to reread a book that I liked recently mm-hmm. and see what I felt now. Highly recommend it. Very fun. You also catch new things. Oh, absolutely. That's why whenever someone says like no spoilers, I'm like, give me the spoilers. I don't care. I want to try and catch mm-hmm. the things the, yes. right from the jump. Yeah, I, don't I care. like spoilers. Yeah, I don't care at all. I'm just like, that's fine. That'll make it. it mm-hmm. If anything, it'll help me appreciate the writing. See, I really mm-hmm. hate if I know one thing that's going to happen in a movie or a book. I'm like so frustrated. I read this book that I loved so much called Nothing to See Here. I think you you should uh, read that, Nicole. I think you would really okay, like it. Okay, I'm going to write it down because I'm going to the bookstore tomorrow. But then I would say, if you like spoilers, read the summary because maybe you will like to know. But the summary in the in the thing, in the book cover, tells this big plot twist and I found it so frustrating because I, I didn't know until after. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't read it. And then I opened it and I go, why would you want to know that? That when you get to that point in the book and it turns, it's like so crazy. But if you already knew it was coming, it's not interesting. But to no, me. no. But then you can be sitting there knowing it's coming mm-hmm. and going, oh, so that's how this is setting up. It's like you're just, it, yeah. it's almost like you're studying the book as much as you're reading it. That's interesting. And it's fun to see how they build up to like that right. twist. And you're like, mm-hmm. ooh, will it come here? And you're like, oh, no. When will it come um, like I read the plot synopsis of this book, Kindred, uh, which is Octavia Butler, and it's like a time traveling slave book, and it's like a tough read. But like I knew what was gonna happen, and I knew that she like has this like really horrific thing happen, and I knew when it was. I didn't know when it was gonna happen, but I knew it was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And then the build up, like I really, I had a lot of fun reading. Oh, it. that's interesting. Yeah. But it did take okay, me about four months to read think. it. Yeah, it's this is a real argument you have to, or not like it's you really got to go like no no no. Here's why it's nice. Here's no, why I it's actually nice. feel like I understand <laughs> that more. I've never, I've never really like. I feel like when you and I watch a movie. And then you're like, well, what? She'll go like, oh, I know what happens next. And I'll go like, oh, what is it? And she's like, I can't tell you. I'm like, well, I, I want to know. <laughs> Why would you say that if I can't? I, I want to know. Well, let's go. Like, we'll just see it play out. It's fun <laughs> to see what happens. Um, no, that's cool, though. Oh, yeah. And that book is by Kevin Wilson, if you um, do want to go buy it. But um, it's really it's a really fun read. Wait, something I was going to say at the very beginning, which was that um, I, I don't remember what I was going to say about this, but basically like. I don't get affected at all by you not liking it. Like, I don't, I feel like you might get people who are like, oh, it's, you don't like it. It's the best thing ever. But I'm like, I think it's the best thing ever. If you don't like it, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I feel a personal like responsibility when I recommend something. If somebody doesn't like it, I feel that sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I get sad. Okay. I'm like, why didn't you like it? Maybe I'm stupid <laughs> for liking it. Well, it feels crazy, though, when we were watching Lord of the Rings, which I love so much, and I would watch, I've seen just more than I've seen anything, uh, and you would do other things, and I'd be like, well, you should be watching. You shouldn't ever look away from the screen. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, I free you of that, where I go like, this isn't her thing. But you do it to Marrying Millions, too. Like, you, you didn't see what he just did. Well, Marrying uh, Millions is different. It's all basically, like, old, old men dating young women. It's so creepy. I, it's it's the most fascinating show I've ever seen. Do Have you, you seen this that? show? I don't think no, I haven't seen it. I think I've seen clips oh, of it. You it, it is it is so nasty. It's sick. It, it's it, ugh, there's I posted this thing on Instagram recently of the guy he's like he's like 68 and he's like he's like rubbing sun lotion or uh sunscreen uh, sunscreen on this 23-year-old who he's dating in front of her mom who is younger than him. Okay, yeah, that's not that's not 
good. <laughs> I don't it's like so it. It's so gross. And they're both acting like it's awesome. And I'm like, I wouldn't want my mom to watch anyone it's rub so sunscreen on me, let alone some well, old man. Here's the, he's rich though, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So they see the end goal. I, now I'm okay with it. Because yeah. the mom is like, I support you getting paid. So whatever we have to do <laughs> to get you yeah. paid is what yeah. we'll do. And I'll supervise it so he doesn't take advantage of you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's yeah, sick, though. I would say that's my only plug, personally. <laughs> well, actually, you've, you've got, you let us right to the uh, moment where we ask you if you have anything to plug. Oh. But I would say you have to plug Bruce Brothers. I got it. Bruce Brothers on Netflix. It's the best. I had so much fun making it. They canceled it immediately. And then it got canceled. Uh, yeah. It's so quickly after it came out. I was like, all right. Uh, and then Guest House is on a bunch of streaming. You things. should watch it's Guest a movie. House. It's, funny. it's a movie starring Mike and Polly Shore. I watched and it. Amy it's very fun. Oh yeah, it was really such a good time. You're super, super, super good in it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's You're a really welcome. fun movie, and it's just a wild, uh, wild ride, and uh, a lot of tits in that film. Yes, yeah, a lot There's, of tits. This one day, they they filmed like a lot of everything that had tits. I feel like all happened on like one night, <laughs> and they were just like it was moving all over to all this stuff, and it was like one of one of like four night shoots. And then I remember getting home at like four a.m. and Lauren being like, "How was it?" And I was like, <laughs> yeah, "You know." I don't know. <laughs> you know, you just like you don't want to even begin to explain. Like I don't fucking know, man. It was all I felt uncomfortable for the last nine hours. <laughs> just acting is so weird in that way. Like you could just like go have the weirdest night that most people would say in their life, mm-hmm. and you're like, good night. Like it's just nothing. Well, there was something yep. that didn't make it into the actual movie that was truly one of the most. Can I? Do we have time for me to just say yeah. one thing? Yeah. Uh, one of the most bizarre and embarrassing sort of moments of my career, just in terms of. You know, when you start to do something, especially on a set, and then you you zoom out and you just think about what it looks like that you used to be a little kid that you, you know, just want to do comedy, like kind of all these thoughts come to your mind. And like in this, it was they like put on this giant steel like cod piece. All right. That had a huge fake dick coming out of it. Okay, And then I had to pull my pants up over that. Okay, But it also had like an electrical wire coming out of the back. So it was motorized. And mm-hmm. so then this is also while they're doing all of these people who are topless and like acting like they're having a good time, you know, all in this backyard. <laughs> it's like 3 a.m. I have to pull these pants up. Everyone keeps saying, I don't think that thing's going to fucking work. Like everyone's like freaked <laughs> out about this, but I can't get my pants up all the way. So I kind of got to like hobble back and forth with this long wire coming out of the back, this fake dick in the front. And then the stunt is that I like put a bunch of fireworks on it and I shoot it off while the motorized dick is spinning around. And I had to do this like six times while I was screaming out all it this is, insane it shit. It is in the movie, but it's on it's, somebody's it's on cell phone, phone yeah. while they're watching mm. it later. But it was like the whole time I was doing it, I was like, unbelievable. But <laughs> that's so dark. funny that it's such a big bit for like someone to be watching on a teeny tiny phone. It was literally as we were setting up to watch it, I was like, oh God, that one fucking thing's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> right, and, then and then it was, it was so nothing. tiny. I was like, oh, well, great. But God, that was embarrassing. <laughs> But I was just thinking, Nicole, for when he was saying, like, when you zoom out and you think about your whole life and everything, the thing that I just thought of for you is when, which is like the funniest picture I've ever seen from that thing you did for Quibi, where you're like in the floor. (laughs) Just what? That would feel so insane. Because it just would feel crazy when you're doing it. Like, you're. I was on a gurney that they like jacked up to the floor because we were all like on this raised thing. And there, everyone kept being like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, uh-huh. man, I'm I'm under a floor. <laughs> I'm fine." Yeah. 
Yeah, it felt truly insane. But then, it's like, the seeing it, I was like, picture. oh, worth it. How silly. No, she's like flat, flattened. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so funny. Lauren, what's yours? Oh, I have so many. I feel like of just like things that are sick that I've done. I want to like, say blended. Uh oh, that one was really uh, when, hard. I feel like you told me that story when we oh first my god. met. And I was okay. Like, oh my god. When I, sh- I I had a small role in the movie Blended, and it I was a babysitter who in the movie the kid shoots a fire extinguisher into my face, mm-hmm. and it was whipped cr- or shaving cream. It was or no, it was whipped no, cream. It was whipped cream, and it, it was filling this huge fake fire extinguisher, a real one. I don't know, and it was blown into my face. Mm-hmm. It was so intense. And it went into every crevice, my nostrils and my ears, and I couldn't and breathe. Full force. And I couldn't see. And it was, I suddenly couldn't breathe or see. It was up my nose and I was like panicking. Like it's all in my mouth, everywhere. It's like, it's so much. And I couldn't breathe at all. And then I got it out. I mean, I really have to make that clear because it was yeah. actually really scary. Mm-hmm. And then I got it out of my nose enough. I, then I had to shower and like do it again. Like, you know, all within moments, mm-hmm. like over and over again. Mm-hmm. And when I got back to my hotel, I, it took for, ever to get the whipped cream all out of everywhere. And then like a week later, I like dug in my ear and it was like sour whipped cream. (sighs) And so you have to zoom out again and see your whole life. Wait, my favorite part of the story is, oh, you told me this when we very first started dating. (laughs) I dug sour whipped cream out of my ear. (laughs) Will you marry me? You're trying to scare me. (laughs) It was so sick. Anyway. We've all survived a lot. Yeah. Ugh, well. Oh, wait, real quick. We do have trivia. So the Tolkien family estate issued a statement. They said they did not approve of this film or endorse it. Wow. They did? I love that. Yes. The diegetic music heard in the officer club is Dixieland Jazz Band One Step, one of the earliest jazz tunes recorded in 1917. This is an anachronism for since both Robert Quilter and Jeffrey... Batch Smith were killed in 1916 at the Psalm. So diegetic means that they can hear it in the movie and anachronism means it's in the wrong sequence of time. Oh. Shut up. I'm letting you no, know. No, no, I'm glad. I'm saying like, who wrote this sentence? Oh, yeah. No, thank you. Wait, so wait, I was say like, it again? That, sen- that didn't make any sense to diegetic me, but now means I get it. just that the characters are hearing it. Oh. And mm-hmm. anachronism means like, no, that happened. Year- that's not right in like the mo- time. The music hadn't come oh. out yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. We would have just been like the diegetic and the condensa, and then we would have moved on. <laughs> well, that's dumb. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you had that one because diegetic. Oh, did I yeah. say it right? Yeah. Anachronism? No. Anachronism. Yeah, Lauren said it like it was anachronism. I honestly read it like I was a kid who just got a book for the first time. I was like the anachronism since both. <laughs> and you're showing off. Yeah. That's how I read mostly everything we have to say on this. I'm sure <laughs> listeners are like, Nicole doesn't know how to read. She practices a little bit before recording. Uh, So this is Nicholas Holt's second performance as a famous author. He portrayed J.D. Salinger in Rebel in the Rye, another movie I've never heard of. Wow. Me neither. Mm -hmm. Lily Collins, uh, who plays Elizabeth or Edith Bratt, once auditioned for the role of Toriel that went to actress Evangeline Lilly in Peter Jackson's The Hobbit films. That's an interesting... It's interesting because... Uh, in another little fact we had, it said that uh, Evangeline Lilly met Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson wrote that part for her. So this is a story of where the offer was already out and they still auditioned backup people oh just in God. case, for- which is why auditioning sometimes is pointless. Lauren was just wait, complaining about wait, this. Wait, Nicole, 
what I was complaining about was about Lily Collins. Oh, that's right. I just before we started recording was um, complaining because of this exact thing that happens very much in Hollywood where you audition for something and then like someone really famous gets it and you're like, oh, they never cared about my audition. They mm-hmm. were always going to cast that person. And I auditioned for this show, Emily in Paris. I auditioned for the pilot of mm-hmm. it. And I just got announced it's coming to Netflix with Lily Collins as the star. And I went, <laughs> Of course they barely <laughs> looked at me. Her. Of course they barely looked at me when I went in and read for that. A, by the way, a year and a half ago or something. Mm-hmm. It was so long ago. Now mm-hmm. it's coming out. But like, I just was like, it's so I'm annoyed dark. I drove to Santa Monica. And you memorize the lines. You know, I went like through you a force lot. force all that shit in your head. That's the thing that kills me. It's like, you'll do the work. And then you like strut it around in front of someone like you could do it. Yeah. You know? It's and actually like, humiliating. Like, I had an early job experience I had was, I won't say the show, but I, I was auditioning for a big show. And basically I got to like the last round where it's me and one other person. And right before going in, basically the director was like, I just want to let you know, like, we love you. We think you're so funny, but we did write the part for the other guy who's going in. So like it, it, it you're kind of like an unknown. So we wanted to do like unknown. And then the guy, I don't know want. why they told you this. Honestly. I honestly appreciated it so much because it was a really intimidating room and it made me not care. Oh, I was like, well, okay. I, so maybe I, it was matter. good. To me, I probably would have been like, okay, so I guess I could go home now. Like, why am I yeah, here? Yeah, like, don't oh, make me do this humiliating yeah. act. We tested Ugh. for a multicam a couple years ago at the same time yes. where it was like, oh, you were the nice white. There was a fat white. That makes it sound like <laughs> fat people aren't nice. <laughs> there was a, a thin white, a fat white, a thin black, a fat black. And then I'm trying to remember what it was. I you think don't have I to say, can but I, say I can't. Um, it's, it's someone who like always gets. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you the, after we're done. But yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was just so fun. And then I think there was like uh, an Asian pairing as well. And I was like, this is so transparent how they've pulled everybody in to test for this. I know. I can't I can't remember that show, but I remember sitting in the hall and you had a whole thing going on on the phone. There was something like your deal wouldn't close. The funnest thing in the world, because (laughs) I didn't sign my contracts for the test because I was waiting to see if another thing would close. So I then I didn't have to test. Oh, right. You got to leave. And then they gave me the money I wanted. So then I got to yes. I got to go. Good luck, everybody. I have a job. <laughs> I remember that's the, feeling that truly is the best. Um, happy for you, and also like, God damn it! Like that's that <laughs> moment of like, oh man, I can't have to sit here and do this thing right now. It's so horrible. The yeah. nerves are so crazy during those things. Being an actor is fun, but also, um, uh, let's see, abusive. Yes, <laughs> psychologically very abusive. Yeah, we talk about like what other job is there where. You, you, you're going to go into a room and then it's like, if you do a good job and you got to do it a couple more times, then you get like a sh- the most money that you've touched mm-hmm. in years or <laughs> they just never talk to you again and you feel like a yeah, dumbass. The promise <laughs> of the money is the craziest thing. It's yeah. so disturbing. I didn't know that every time you booked a pilot and it didn't go and then you book another one, your quote goes up because you got that one pilot. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. wait, what? And then my agent was like, yeah, Nicole, but it's theoretical. She's like, you mm-hmm. don't you like you can't count that money until you book it. And I was like, yeah. oh, so it's just like, yeah, you're filled with all this hope and wonder of like, maybe I can pay rent for multiple months. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you didn't get it. And you're like, OK, good. Back, Back to what to I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's so rough. 
And that's part of what makes you so nervous because like only at tests you have to sign the contract where you see the number written yeah. down. Yeah, you got to keep looking at it on many pages going, I, I could get that amount. And they're like, and you'll be locked in for seven years. And like the longer you do it, you're like scared of that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But at the but beginning, also, you're like excited about it. But also as you're reading it, you're like doing your salary times and you're like seven years. So I'm now the richest person in America. <laughs> so then with that money, you're like, not going to happen. And now we know that no show goes on for seven years yeah. anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good point. <laughs> Well, Well, on a positive note, the (laughs) Battle of the Five Stars segment is where we read your five-star reviews. So if you want to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, uh, you'll get a chance for us to read it on air. Um, You could also write to us about uh, your feelings about uh, which characters do you think we should include in our fanfic. You can write anything Mm -hmm, you want. mm -hmm. It doesn't really have to be, like, you know, logical. Um, but this one is called I Blame You by Jackie underscore oh. Snow on Apple Podcasts. Hold on, it has an exclamation mark. I blame you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> who could make me utter the phrase, I want to watch Lord of the Rings? Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus, that's who. I blame you both for your for your <laughs> making me actually want to subject myself to rewatching this series. It took me three long days to make it through the first movie alone. <laughs> Though I also must thank you for the fiery passion in my husband's eyes as I asked him to Aww. join me in my journey through Middle Earth. I blame you. I thank you. I reluctantly join you. Joke aside, I absolutely love this podcast. You ladies are killing the quarantine podcast game. Oh, thanks, Jackie. That, that was, was a really nice sweet message. I'd like to think we saved her marriage. I uh, think so, too. <laughs> That's what the Battle of the Ring was all about. <laughs> I feel like there was more layered writing and storytelling in that review than in Tolkien. This review was yeah. beautifully written. I was like, written. she's married. They're First she blames her. us, then she, then she thanks us. Mm-hmm. And in, and <laughs> in and the end, she, spanks she us. joins us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I would like if she spanked us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back next week with something a lot of you have been clamoring for. I'll leave it at that. See you then. (laughs) I wonder what it is. (laughs) Bye. 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 That was a HeadGum Original.